What is cooking, everyone? Scriptwriter Steve right here. You've reached Barbecue 2 Movies. It is February 20th, 2021, and I'm here to chat it up. Yeah, it's about uh, 2 a.m. in the morning. Just got back from hanging out. Gotta get some things off of my chest right now. By the way, I got into one of the, another one of those, uh, what do you call those, Facebook comment wars. I guess, I'm not sure if that's the official name for it. But, <laughs> I'll clue you in on what happened. They want to talk about some other things here today too, about white culture. Oh my God, white culture. By the way, I was accused of being part of the problem of white culture. Really? All right. Let's get into this right now. I'm going to turn this down. That's enough, guys. That's enough. Okay. All right, everyone. How is everyone going? And how do you like those music intros? I'm, I'm starting to get addicted to those. I really am. Okay, so, you know, I had one of those Facebook comment wars again. You know, one of my friends, uh, you know, most of my friends are all conservatives, by the way. It just happens to be that way. Um, it's not as though I go out there and, you know, again, choose conservatives to be my friends. They just happen to come out of the closet and say, Steve, we love your post. By the way, I'm a Republican, too. I voted for Trump. There's a lot of closet Trump supporters out there. My own neighbor came out to me and said, oh, you know, Steve, and she's a Japanese national, or she was. And she said, I really support Trump. I really like that flag in your, in your window. Uh, you're really brave, by the way. You're really, really brave. <laughs> so, and, uh, but, <laughs> and, and again, there's a lot of us out there. Uh, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of Trump supporters in the closet because uh, if you are a proud Trump supporter, and uh, you may get attacked. I'm just telling you, you may get attacked. Um, you're, you'll definitely get, get labeled as a white supremacist by someone, um, even if you're not white. Uh, because for me, I'm 100% Chinese. I'm not Chinese, though, because I wasn't born in China. I'm a fourth. My blood is my heritage and my genes can be traced back to China. But I'm a third or fourth generation, depending on which side of the, my parents you count. And uh, again, I'm just... I look like a Chinese. I mean, some people can tell I'm, I'm Chinese, but my eyes are a lot bigger. Um, I'm a lot more hefty than a regular Chinese. I don't have those those thin, slender bodies, which uh, I have no idea how they how they get that skinny. Um, <laughs> every we have these Asian stores here here in Hawaii, and I go there to buy like uh, I went there today to to buy like a. Uh, uh, some some food there, but they're selling underwear. By the way, you know, Asian underwear, which I said, okay, let's take a look at this Asian underwear. And the leg holes for the large, I couldn't fit my forearm through. Who has legs that tiny? I mean, apparently Asians do. You know, some of these Chinese and Japanese and these Koreans, these men, they must have these thin little legs. You, you know, for me, I have these big legs. But because <laughs> yeah, I bike a lot, I bike up hills a lot. I got I got muscle on my legs. But man, these these Asians must have supermodel legs. Uh, the ones coming, the one, the true, the true FOBs. You know, coming fresh off the boat. You know, <laughs> you know, the ones who haven't been spoiled by the luxuries of McDonald's. Uh, <laughs> you know, we, we have big legs. I'm just saying, uh, us local Chinese, we're big suckers. We're really big. But anyway. So my friend has the, he posts these pro Trump things on top of the on top of his Facebook page and 
Well, predictably, uh, he got attacked by at least one crazy, crazy, crazy libtard. We'll call them that because that's what they are. So I thought I'll just step in and uh, give him my two cents. And I, and I said, you know, first of all, I started started off saying, okay, don't be angry at me, but here's my opinion. And of course, you know, after I gave my opinion, he was angry and angrier and started to call me all, all different types of names. So I said, yeah, okay, well, um, that's your interpretation, but here's what I think. Here's what I, you know, and then when I would say certain things, he would, he would interpret them and twist them as something else and twist them into, into talking points, you know, that were just completely, completely off from what I said or even off from what I meant. And there was no way you can actually interpret it. So for example, if I said the word letter A, he would say, you're talking about the letter B. No. I'm talking about the letter A. And he goes, no, 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 you're talking about the letter B. This is how crazy they are. And this person started debating me on words that he put into my mouth. So for example, again, if I'm talking about the letter A, and he'll start getting angry about the letter B, and then start accusing me of things about the letter B, and then all of a sudden, all of his talking points are about the letter B, even though I'm just talking about the letter A. So again, you know, that's crazy, right? He's literally, this person is literally making up talking points, putting them in my mouth, and then debating those talking points. He's talking to himself. And I told him that. I said, you know what? You're talking to yourself. You're having a conversation with yourself. You, you know, this is not a two-way conversation. <laughs> you are distorting what I say on purpose so you can actually make your talking points. And if you can't interpret, you know, what's the literal truth coming from my, from my mouth and you have to interpret it as an absurdity, how can you interpret what Trump said on January 6th with any truth? You can't because everything to them is a metaphor. Their whole life is a living, living metaphor. They'll interpret everything, everything as a metaphor except for the truth. I mean, no, I'm sorry, except for the metaphor. If you actually say a metaphor, they'll interpret that as the truth. So when Trump says, fight like hell, he says, whoa, Trump is saying, you know, clock that guy a good one, use tear gas, you know, shoot and kill, you know, you know hurt cops. No, that's a metaphor. Use it in context. You, you read the whole, the whole passage of what he said. I mean, it's, it's almost as bad as a, as a pastor who takes the Bible out of context, right? Uh, this is what Jesus meant by this. No, if you read, if you actually read the whole parable, that's not what Jesus meant. And, and that's what's my big beef is with pastors, right? So he, so my big beef with the left is that they take one line in one of Trump's speeches and they take it out of context, turn it into absurdity, and then get really angry out of nothing. I mean, it's almost, it's almost like his, um, there are good people on both sides comment. You know, the Democrats turn that into absurdity and then turn that absurdity into a version of their truth. And all of a sudden it became a truth. And then it became, then it became Joe Biden's platform. The left, they live in this imaginary world where again, their whole life is a living metaphor. The truth to them is a metaphor. And a metaphor is the truth. That's insane. <laughs> it's insane. Oh my God. Oh my God. 
Uh, if, if you had a video podcast right now, you actually see me rubbing my temples right now. I was like, ah, oh. but, uh, uh, you know, what can we say about that, right? What can we say? <laughs> all I tell you, all I tell you is this: my my friends, they'll write to me and say, "My God, my my so and so, my aunt, my this, my friend, they're really driving me up the wall, Steve. Like, how can I talk to them?" And and I respond to them. I say, "You can't. You just can't. You know, Trump derangement syndrome. I'm sorry, it's real. It's really, really real." It's really, really real, really real. And again, you know, you know, if you listen to my earlier podcast, I kind of explained this into how I differ conservatives than from, I guess, uh, liberals is that liberals, they just lie. Uh, they just shoot off their mouth and, and, uh, they'll always believe, they'll always, uh, I guess, up, approve their lie by, by quoting a liar. You know, so, so, so-and-so said this, which, who's a liar, right? And that's why I believe this, which is a lie. They'll never explain the equation to their so-and-so called lie. This is how I actually arrive. This is how all of these things equate out and measure out. And this is how we actually end up with this theory. No. With the conservative, they'll say, well, this is how, you know, you know, lo- like taxes, actually lower taxes, lower, lower regulation produces more jobs and we can actually go through this entire equation and that's how why we, we want lower taxes and lower regulations. And then, the, but the liberal will say, well, lower taxes just actually make the rich more wealthy. We ask, why do you believe that? Well, so-and-so said that. That's, and, and, and then that, that for them is the end of story. No, actually, it's not the end of story. Um, they'll say, well, if you believe you want, if, if you believe in, 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 uh, in, in, uh, tax, you, you don't want the rich to pay their fair share, then you're just part of the white supremacy problem. <laughs> it's like, oh my God. Really? Really? Okay. All right. All right. I am rubbing my forehead right now. <laughs> All right. Okay. So this is pretty interesting here. Um, there was a professor, I forgot his name, and uh, apparently over in New York City, uh, he has this thing, I guess, I'm not sure, he's a, he's a professor over there, and uh, he has this thing where he has a eight degrees of whiteness, and there's a scale, not a scale, but there's a like a half moon, or like, how can I describe this? It's like a it's a circle, and it's a half of it, right? And on the very left, it's a scale, so on the very left, you have red, in the middle, you have yellow. On the right, you have green. So what's on the very left? You have white supremacy. Okay, so, and, and, and he's giving you eight degrees of, of whiteness, a white, eight degrees of white identities, all right? So on the very left, you have white supremacist. And apparently, this, this is like when it's really, really red, you're not supposed to be a white supremacist. We can all agree on that. Now, on the very right, you have the green. And at the very right, the healthiest thing a white person can be is a white abolitionist. <laughs> a person who believes that they should abolish whiteness, dismantle whiteness. <laughs> so a healthy Caucasian will have to believe in dismantling himself, <laughs> dismantling his culture. <laughs> That's the healthiest he can ever be. If he just says, I just want nothing to do with my culture, then you are a healthy white. How racist is this? 
And by the way, this eight degrees of whiteness, I believe it was given to teachers and also given to parents of kids to actually explain to them their problem, their sins for being white. Oh my God, it is sad. How in the world can the professor who created this have a job? This is racism, flat out racism. So anyway, now if this isn't bad, it gets even worse. So I I read this article, right? And then I decide, well, I want to just Google, you know, some things about white culture. Like, why is white culture all of a sudden a sin? I mean, I don't see white people as bad. I, I, I never did. You know, I, I, I never did. I, I've never seen anyone, even black culture or nothing like that. I've never seen a problem with black culture or, or anything. I think we're all Americans, first of all, all right? And I think we should all, you know, you know, just, just revolve around that culture. Like, we, as Americans, we have a culture. Let's all be American, right? Um, but maybe I'm too hopeful. And I, do, and I do see problems with both, you know, with, there, there are some problems with certain types of cultures, right? Like for the Asian culture, there are certain problems out there. Like, you know, we're very much image-oriented, uh, you know, very, very, very much image-oriented where, you know, you have to like, you know, show off. Really, really, really show off all the time. Uh, and you have that also in the black culture as well. You have to really show off all the time. Uh, but the black culture, I think, I, I think they have even a greater problem with parenthood there. A lot of blacks, unfortunately, I think it's 70% are raised without a father figure. That's bad. That means you're growing up with people who have abandonment issues. And abandonment, abandonment issues, that's probably one of the worst issues to have as a person. Because you don't trust yourself. You put your trust into others. You put your trust into gangs. You put your trust into politicians. You know, you, you don't put your, you, you can never hold yourself to a higher level unless you trust someone. And the growth for that type of personality really determines on who they trust. So if they trust a church or if they trust a football coach, they may end up on a better path to life. But if they trust a gang member or trust a drug lord, you know, or, or, or trust a criminal for advice, well, they're going to end up in a worse, you know, path of life, right? So I start Googling again white culture because, again, I, I'm really curious to find out what is wrong with white culture. So I come upon the Smithsonian and apparently they say whiteness of white culture <laughs> in the United States Whiteness of white culture. Whiteness of white culture. Okay, so what's wrong with the whiteness? Well, one thing they said, and they have this graphic, by the way, is that they have rugged individualism. Uh, White people believe that the individual is a primary unit, and they believe in self-reliance. They believe in independence and autonomy. They are highly valued and rewarded. And they believe that individuals should assume to be in control of their own environment and their own destiny and you get what you deserve. That's whiteness? That's called being responsible to me, I think, right? I mean, isn't that a good thing to say, hey, you know what? You're going to get what you deserve. If you work hard, you're going to get, you're going to reap the benefits. That's whiteness? So you're telling every other culture we shouldn't be like that? You know, that right there is like almost the American dream, right? You reap what you, you, you reap what you sow, you get what you deserve. 
You know, if you study hard in school, you're saying you're doing that with the thought that you're actually reaping the rewards of all of that. You're going to get an A, right? You're going to get what you deserve. <laughs> but again, what, what type of society are we living in, right? I'll continue. I, by the way, I am reading this verbatim. Sorry, I just moved my cell phone here. You may have heard that. So, family structure. Okay, what's wrong with the white family structure? Well, they believe in the nuclear family. A father, one father, one mother. Maybe a two and a half children is the ideal social unit. I have no idea how to get two and a half, by the way. <laughs> how do you get half a child? <laughs> so, anyway. They believe that the husband is a breadwinner and the head of the household. The wife, a lot of times, is a homemaker and subordinate to the husband. Children should have their own rooms and must be independent from their parents. What is wrong with that? What is wrong with having a father and a mother? You know, <laughs> now, maybe it's a little bit more modified these days where you have two fathers and two mothers, right? And But again, what is wrong with the traditional family unit? You know, father, mother, two or more children, right? That's pretty good. The husband is usually, again, the breadwinner. The wife stays home, takes care of the kids. There's nothing wrong with that. There's actually nothing wrong. Now, if the wife wants to go out and work, okay, fine. You know, but then still yet, I think it's better. You know, personally, I do think it's better that someone stays home with the kids. And when they stay subordinate to the husband, you know, they make it seem as though that's slavery to the husband right there, right? You know, oh, this is, <laughs> you know, there, there has to be a head of the household. And usually, I hate to say this, it is the man. It is the man. As, as you know, and a, a lot of times you, you try to be 50 and 50, 50 and 50, but a lot of times when there is a crisis that comes in that front door, it is the man that has to take, take charge. If there's a crisis, if there's a fire, if there's danger, this is just how, how it works in the animal kingdom. You have to protect, you have to give your life. In fact, you know, you, I mean, the, the father, a lot of times will give their life you know, everything to protect the, the household. Children should have their own rooms, be independent from their parents. Oh, that sounds pretty good. Okay, let's go. Let's move on. Let's move on to this sinful white, the sinful white culture. Well, they have an emphasis, uh, 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 hold on, an emphasis, <laughs> emphasis, <laughs> sorry about that, guys, an emphasis on the scientific method. The white people are very objective, rational, linear thinking, cause and effect relationships, quantitative emphasis. That's a bad thing? That's really bad? Oh my God. Okay, more so. This horrible white culture, um, they believe in a hard work is the key to success. Work before play. If you didn't meet your goals, you didn't work hard enough. What is wrong with this? I, I think I think every single person person should kind of strive to be someone like this. All right, justice this is based on English common law. Okay, maybe so. They believe in protecting personal property, and they believe in believe in actually per, protecting personal entitlements. Intent counts. I guess so. What is wrong with this? Future orientation. White culture tends to plan for the future. They delay instant gratification. They believe that progress is always best, that tomorrow will always be better. 
timelines. They always follow rigid time schedules. Time is viewed as a commodity. This is whiteness right here. So again, if you practice any of this, this is, a, this is the horrible things that the Smithsonian considers white culture. This right here is a graphic that is in the Smithsonian. <laughs> this, is, this is like flat out stupid. I mean, a lot of these things I agree with. I mean, I think I agree with almost 100% of it. I mean, no wonder I'm considered white. <laughs> like, again, like, this is really, I mean, to me, I think this is almost reverse racism, right? So if you don't believe any of this, right? I mean, if you believe any of this, you're a problem. So our, we, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't follow, you know, rigid time schedules. Uh, you know, you're just saying as a Chinese, you know, as a minority, I shouldn't plan for the future. I should uh, just like, you know, waste all of my money and, and I shouldn't believe progress is always best or that tomorrow will be better. This is crazy. This is flat out stupid. But again, this is what the liberals think. I mean, this is, this to them, this is the problem with white culture. Oh my God. And I guess for them, they see something wrong with it. Again, we look at the family structure, you know, and I hate to say this again, but it's true. A lot of black families, the father's missing. A lot of times the mother's missing. A lot of times the children are raised by their grandmother. Because both their father and mother have gotten into some, some really bad things. Really bad things. That should not be seen as something to celebrate. Like a broken household is not something to celebrate and say, that's black culture for you. That's better. It's always better to have a father and a mother, you know, as part of your usual, your ideal social unit. Your grandmother shouldn't be there taking care of you, care of you. You know, your aunt shouldn't be there taking care of you. Your father should quit your quit the gang. Your, your mother should quit the gang if they're in a gang, right? I'm not saying they're all in a gang, you know, but quit doing stupid things and raise the kids and be responsible adults. This isn't a white thing. This should be a good thing. This should be a, a common sense thing. Why is this a white culture thing? This is just stupid. This is just dumb. Anyway, well, uh, I, I have no idea what to say right now. All right, guys, uh, I'm going to cut the commercial and I'll come back with um, some other topics right here. But uh, I have no idea what I'm talking about right now because I have no idea what I'm going to be talking about right now because I'm just like, like, I'm just blown away by this. I'm just blown away about this, about the stupidity. I mean, really, this is just stupid. Okay. I'll be right back after these messages, guys. What is going on, everyone? This is your favorite complainer-in-chief, scriptwriter Steve, with a shameless plug for Dream Weddings Hawaii, a company that I just happen to own. Now, we specialize in romantic, intimate beach weddings, but plan weddings of all sizes and shapes. Gala weddings, eloping, surprise vow renewal, no problemo. So, if you are looking to tie the knot here in Hawaii, you better get in touch with me. Now, Dream Weddings Hawaii delivers quality that is extremely affordable, but don't just take my word for it. Visit our website at dreamweddingshawaii.com and find out for yourself. That's dreamweddings with an S, that's weddings with an S, hawaii.com. So look at our awesome photos, check out our awesome, beautiful, touching ceremony videos, then take a look at our cheap prices, which I promise you won't faint at. Now, don't forget to read our five-star reviews. Now, by the way, we also take professional family photos. 
So visit our site at dreamweddingshawaii.com or just buzz me at 808-479-0685. That's 808-479-0685. Hey, what's going on, everyone? I'm back. I got some topics. I got some topics. I want to talk about Sleepy Joe. Why don't we call him again that? Because that brain is sleeping. They want to talk about, you know what? I'm going to get into energy. I know some bit about energy. And I'll tell you why. I'll really tell you why. All right. I like this song, by the way. It sounds pretty cool. Wow, it's pretty nice. Yeah, listen to this for a while. Wow, not bad, huh? I like it. I like it. I like it. I like it. Okay, I gotta get to talking right now. I gotta turn this down. Jeez, I really like that song. <laughs> okay. All right. You know, Texas. Really going through some hell right now. Uh, I got I have friends up there, a family up there, and if you're there listening, um, you know you are in my prayers right now because you are going through some really big hell right now. Uh, you know, uh, I think it was maybe about five or six years ago, maybe even more than that. Uh, one of my I actually had um, an, a wedding inquiry, and I was really really looking forward to this wedding, uh, this wedding inquiry or doing the wedding for this couple, but, but unfortunately. Uh, that couple ended up breaking up before uh, they actually ended up booking with me. But I ended up establishing a really good relationship with the groom. And the groom, he was one of the individuals who was actually uh, primarily responsible for for um, energy in Texas. And he said to me that, for the most part, he told me, um, wind and solar are almost completely useless because they're unreliable. And he said, it's not just about generating energy. It's more so about generating reliable energy. Because he said, uh, he he said to me that um, if you take a look how energy is actually used, uh, it has to be very, 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 very much predictable. And the wind doesn't always blow. And the sun doesn't always shine bright. And demand is always never constant. So he said it's very hard when you when you try to to put like an unreliable energy and he called it unreliable energy into the grid which goes up and down up and down especially with wind you know the wind blows harder and you don't and you, and you um and you can't increase the energy uh, you know it's not very predictable you can't throttle it up and down like a generator like a usual generator like a coal plant um or a gas plant uh you, you just can't do it. Uh, but again, like you said, like the wind and the solar, you can't do that as well. So it becomes very much useless because it's not predictable. And you, in order to put energy into a grid efficiently, it has to be very much predictable because you could actually short circuit your, you know, the entire grid and a lot of people could be without power. So every time you use uh, I guess something where you have a un, like unstable energy, which is wind or solar, and the more solar panels and the more wind power you have, the more unstable the grid becomes. 
He said it, uh, other, other uh, I guess, forms of energy, such as gas, natural gas, uh, and coal, they try to balance out the, the unpredictableness of wind and solar. But even then, as you, have, as you get more wind and solar, I guess, being pumped into the grid, uh, there will come a point, he said, that, well, uh, you know, the grid will just become very unstable. So he, so he, re, he really prays every single day that you don't have, um, you know, uh, basically a lot of, like, uh, basically a lot, a lot of wind and a lot of, a lot of solar panels. That's what he said. <laughs> so to sum it up here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try, try to explain to you what he said to me from the beginning. So, so what he said in the beginning, you have energy demand is like a bell-shaped curve, right? So during one portion of the day, you, you have this much energy, right? And then when people go home, it goes up into a residential area. So you have this demand that goes up. And then after at night, it goes down, right? So you have this nice bell-shaped curve. So during these certain times, you have your baseline energy that you always have to, have to fulfill. And that is usually handled by nuclear power. Nuclear and, and he said, gas can handle that, handle that for the most part. And um, solar though, solar though, he said it can't handle that part because it's too unstable. It's very much, very too unstable. I'm sorry. Hold on a second, guys. I have my people messaging me on Facebook. <laughs> Trying to be professional here. They keep messaging me. Okay. So then when you, when you, um, when you have your increase in demand, well, you, all of a sudden you need to pull on more energy. So where do you pull from? Well, he said you have your coal and you have your natural gas power plants and you hopefully, and you have your, uh, you have coal, gas, and natural natural uh, natural gas, uh, and then you can kind of turn the generators faster, like how you do a car. You throttle them up, and you can slowly put more power into the grid as that bell curve starts to rise. Now, what happens if you use wind energy? So all of a sudden, if you use wind energy, and 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 say the wind is blowing very 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 good, and then all of a sudden, and and you're saying, for example, your demand is going high. And then the wind stops blowing, boom, right? Now, all of a sudden, that gap has to be filled with uh, uh, some type of energy, right? Because if you, that, again, the wind just dropped off. So now you have less energy in the grid, but you need more, right? So then how does it get filled? Well, the gas generators or the, or the natural gas or the coal, they'll power up and they'll try to fill that gap. So they, so they fill the gap. Then now, all of a sudden, the wind goes back to normal. And what happens is that immediately those gas power plants have to power down, <laughs> right? So, and, then, and then as the energy goes up again, the, the demand goes up and they can put more energy into there. But all of a sudden, the wind stops blowing and now they have to fill that gap. And now sometimes what happens is that the, the wind comes up and, and they, they didn't power down the coal power plants that fast enough. And yet now you have too much power into the grid. You have an overabundance of power into the grid. And then the grid becomes very unstable or very close to unstable. And, and he said the grid, can, the grid can actually short circuit. You have too much power in the grid. And it becomes a big problem. And this is what happens. And, and he says if people understood how fragile the, the actual electricity grid is, you know, if you have too much power, it's a bad thing. If you have too little power, it's a bad thing. Things can go crazy. Now, what is happening over there in Texas? Now, here's a fact. That, here's a really fun fact that he told me. He said for a fact that wind and solar, they don't need wind and solar to, to actually power Texas at all. Now, Texas, by the way, is separate from the entire grid. They don't need wind or solar to power Texas at all. 
it could be powered completely off gas, natural gas, and coal, and nuclear. And they would do just fine. But the problem is that there's such a big green push and there's such a big, big push for um, wind and solar. That, and it's a very expensive, expensive energy. And the way the, the, um, the markets there, they actually buy and trade energy, like how we do stock. These are the wind and solar. They're very expensive. They, they're very profitable forms of energy. So this, this form of energy, because it's so profitable, gets purchased first. And this unstable energy gets pumped into the grid, even though it's unstable. And then you have the other powers, the, the reliable energies that have to kind of fix everything. So he said it's kind of, it's really messed up. And, the, and where we're headed right now to a more, again, with, again um, this is when, you know, pre-Biden, pre-Trump, by the way, um, yeah, this conversation happened pre-Trump before Trump actually got elected. Uh, he said this this path that we're headed on during the Obama administration where everything's going to be green, he said it's, it's going to get worse and worse. The grid is going to get more unstable as we go down and you're going to get unstable energy, unusable energy. And, there, and again, there's no way he, he actually said that you can store enough energy into batteries to power Texas. He said it's completely, completely uh, um, uh, I guess, a dream. He said, right now, even at the full capacity, with all the batteries they have now, you can maybe power Texas for about 15 to 30 minutes. That's about it. And then these, and then these, uh, these, uh, uh, these uh, um, batteries, he said, are very explosive, highly explosive. The lithium ion is very highly explosive. They're, they're, not, very, they're not at all uh, environmental friendly. <laughs> so he was going on and on and on about this. So again, this is the problem with the Texas energy grid, right? So again, you know, you're pumping unstable energy into this grid, and all of a sudden, you have this once-in-a-lifetime snowstorm, and it just makes an unstable grid even more unstable. <laughs> and what's, what's happened here is that to, to, I guess, to exponentially make this problem worse is that Texas doesn't believe... I mean, Texas itself didn't believe that they were in for this type of weather. This, it caught them completely by surprise. So again, their pipes and everything, they were not made to, they were not made to handle this type of coldness. You had gas freezing, you had water freezing, and, and, uh, and, and, the, and the, the electrical lines you had, um, you know, they were freezing as well. Um, and, and, and other things too, a lot of their, a lot of their, uh, what is it, their, their power plants, their coal power power plants, their gas power plants, they're all offline for maintenance because they weren't expecting uh, um, deep freeze temperatures and for everyone to run their heater. So that's, that's really what the problem was. So a lot of these, you know, if, if the maintenance did not happen during this time, which they usually do, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have as much of a problem as you are now. Or in fact, you wouldn't even have a problem. But of course, the Democrats are pointing the finger at natural coal and gas, and, and, and they're saying, and, I mean, natural gas and coal and, and regular gas and nuclear power, they're saying, look at, look at this. That's why we need more, re, you know, renewable energies. <laughs> the renewable energies are not working <laughs> right now. They're completely not working. The windmills are frozen shut. They're frozen solid, right? There's no, there's no sun right now. <laughs> there's a big problem with that, right? You can't store the energy. Again, the liberals don't think about that kind of stuff. The reason why you're having problems 
is because your reliable energy is not being reliable. Your green energy was never reliable. Oh, boy. So this is where we're at. This is where we are at. And then you have this, this whole, you know, you know, I guess politicizing of Ted Cruz heading over to Cancun, again, which he shouldn't have done just, just because of the optics. But again, he's heading over to Cancun to take a vacation with his kids. Really bad thing to do for me, I think, with the optics. But again, he doesn't really have respons- He doesn't have any responsibility to take care of Texas. The, 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 the people who are responsible for Texas is the governor and the mayors and the local representatives right there. And as far as the coordination between the federal government and, and the governor and Texas, that comes down to the federal government, the president co- coordinating with the governor and, and FEMA coordinating with the mayors. That's it. You know, Ted Cruz, he can, he, he can go out there and, you know, say something in front of the cameras, but that's all they do. You know, and he can, if Joe Biden didn't move, then he would say, hey, Joe Biden moved. But Joe Biden's actually moving a little, right? He's not moving a lot. And, uh, you, know, he, you know, Joe Biden didn't move quick, in, quick enough. And, uh, but again, you know, Ted Cruz, I don't know what else he could have done, to be honest with you, because it's not his responsibility. But of course, you know, the, the liberals are calling for his uh, resignation and all those different types of things, which is just stupid. It's just stupid. But, oh well. What can we say about that right now? By the way, did anybody catch Joe Biden's town hall? (laughs) This guy is a joke. This guy... Now, I'm not sure... They keep saying he makes gaffes. Everything is a gaffe. Everything is a stutter. Everything is like, oh, he misspoke. How, How many times do we have to forgive him for misspeaking, for gaffes, for everything like that? Uh... I mean, how often do we have to do it? When he says, you know, we have the most extent, extensive voter fraud, um, I guess, uh, group out there. That's a gaffe. That's a stutter. That doesn't really sound like a stutter. <laughs> and the way they explained it, by the way, really didn't sound like a stutter. When they said, oh, we, you know, after he said that, first of all, they said it was a gaffe. Then they said it was a stutter. And then he said what he meant was that we have lawyers heading out over to swing states to make sure that voter integrity was in place. Do you know what those lawyers did? They made sure that that voter laws were relaxed, and they lobbied for voter laws like such things like voter ID, voter signature verification, and for the fact that they could count um, mail-in ballots after the live vote, weeks before the live vote. You know that's crazy. That's flat, that, that's not increasing voter integrity. That's making voter fraud a lot more easy. That wasn't a gaffe. He told the truth. So now we have here President Biden saying that when he came came into the um, the administration, there was no vaccine. He took the vaccine before he came into office. Now, is he just stupid? Is, Is he just lying? Is it a joke? And then he says, oh, you know, the problem, he said the problem is that you know, we, we don't have a vaccinator. We, we had no idea on how to get the vaccine into a person. A needle? <laughs> What's a vaccinator? Uh, I, have a, I have no idea what a vaccinator is. It, it, sounds like a, it sounds as though it, like, that's a really good name for a robot. The vaccinator. <laughs> what is he thinking? Oh, my God. 
and, and he had some other gaffes too out there, which I kind of forgot. I, I, I know he said something as though, um, the, the, uh, the genocide happening, happening in China. Well, that's basically just part of their culture. And we have to come to accept that. Or he said something along those lines. And I said, Oh my God. Like, really? <laughs> and I think he also said something as though why, um, why they're favoring uh, certain minority communities uh, to get the vaccine over others. Uh, because he said that minorities, uh, blacks, Hispanics, I think he said Asians, he may have said Asians, maybe not. Uh, they, they, he basically was implying that we didn't know, we didn't know how to use the internet, you know, to book, I guess, appointments for ourselves to, to get the vaccine. <laughs> That's pretty much racist right there. But he said, you know, things before like that. It, it, he said things that were exactly like that, just with a different subject. I don't know. How often? Like, how much leeway are we going to give this guy? I still can't believe 80 million people voted for him. I mean, <laughs> oh, my God. And, oh, by the way, this huge Kumo thing. Now, Kumo... <laughs> Now, for those of you who are living under a rock, Kumo is in deep doo-doo right here. He is in deep doo-doo. He is up into his waist in cow manure right now. No, he is up to his chin in cow manure because the Democrats are just throwing him under the bus. And apparently, Kumo had lied about how many people, how many elderly had actually died in the care homes. And he actually had pushed people into the care homes for, for the reason to make Donald Trump look bad, to protect um, Joe Biden from looking, for, he actually did it to make Trump look bad and to protect Joe Biden from making Trump look good. Okay, because if he would have used um, the that hospital bus of the, the that hospital uh, ship that actually had docked over there in New York City and used all of those uh, emergency hospital hospitals that Trump had erected over there in, the, in Central Park, if he had used those, then Trump would have been seen as the hero in New York City. But apparent, but instead of doing that, he sent the infected, the infected elderly back into their care homes, and that ended up killing more people, and he ended up covering up for that. Now, he didn't act alone, but the Democrats are throwing him under the bus, and, and they're acting as though this was just Kumo doing all of this evil work. And they're one by one throwing throwing him under. There must be something there, right? <laughs> you know. And by the way, they only started throwing him, him under the bus when an aide leaked out the truth. An aide had to leak out the truth, and then all of a sudden, everyone, left and right, even Mayor De Blasio, who was part of the problem, by the way, he actually did push elderly elderly people into, I guess, into care homes. But lo and behold. You know, it's just so weird. They're just killing their own. You know, you know, to me, I think they should. They actually need to 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 do a really deep investigation on this. They really, really do. And after they do that, they need to go deep and they need to go wide because they need to find the other players in this. And I can almost guarantee you, it's going to lead back to the Bidens. It's going to lead back to to the DNC. It's going to be something like that that Russian dossier where they accused Trump of working with the Russians when it was actually the DNC that was behind all of this. Something is there. You know, something, it, it is not like the Democrats to roast their own. Because again, 
they are not highly moral characters. You know, they all they only care about winning. And right now, I think the they smell blood in the water. They, I think they know that Kumo is going to go down. Kumo, the guy who just actually won an Emmy for all of his tearful, I guess, um, his, his, his tearful press conferences. You, you know, it's so funny because I actually have uh, Facebook friends who I saw just praising Kumo and saying, I wish he were just president now. And he's doing such a great job. Kumo has so much heart. I mean, he was the darling of the left. Right, he was the darling, darling, darling of the left. At one point, I think they even thought of him running as vice president with Joe Biden, I, and I think they may even thought about having him replace Joe Biden as a presidential candidate. Um, but lo and behold, <laughs> what do you, what do you know? You, you know the funny thing. I think if Cuomo actually became president, you wouldn't hear about any of this. They would just cover it up. They would just cover it up like you wouldn't believe. So. The new news coming out of Biden's mouth is that he's saying that COVID is going to stick around till maybe uh, uh, end of this year. And then end of this year, that's when things will get normal. Now, he said this because someone else had told him that. When the truth is, if we look at the graphs, and I was, if you look back at my podcast, I have been telling you that herd immunity is basically here you know, or it's very much on its way, but it looks as though it's already here. And the virus, it looks as though it's going to be gone by the end of March. Now, they said the beginning of February. <laughs> well, some doctors had said that, right? But I, but if you just take a look at the chart right now, COVID is just plunging. It is plunging and plunging and plunging. And right now, there are more people who are getting vaccinated than, than people who are catching the virus. And you throw in the, you throw in there the built-in immunity to the population by either people who have already caught COVID and recovered or people who have gotten the common cold and their T-cell memories, not their antibodies, their T-cells. Again, T-cells are much more important than antibodies. Antibodies, they only last maybe about a couple months, maybe a couple years at the most. But if you have T-cell memory, you know your body will forever learn how to fight that virus. And that's why a lot of us who have caught the flu before well, we don't really catch the flu again. Even if it mutates, we don't catch the flu again because a lot of times our T-cell memory you know, protects us from a lot of different strains of the flu. If you're, and and uh, by the way, you know, for a person who has AIDS, AIDS, right? Their auto, you know, autoimmune deficiency, what are they always worried about? Their white cell count, their T-cell count. They're always worried about that because again, it, they're not worried about their antibody count. They're, wor- they're more worried about their white cell and T-cell count. All right, guys, next topic, next topic, next topic, next topic. Uh, I also heard, <laughs> here's a funny thing, that this new COVID strain, this has to do with Joe Biden, by the way. He said that the reason why the virus is going to be um, still around is because it's mutating and that these new strains are, you know, 70% more lethal. Again, this is something Joe Biden read in the headlines. Now, I read the study where it said, you know, uh, COVID is actually 70% more lethal. That is flat out rhetoric. That is flat out rhetoric. So here's the thing. If you're 50 years old or below and you get COVID today, um, you have a 99.875% chance of living. All right? I'm just letting you know. 
50 years old and younger right now for the stats that I have, you have a 99.875% chance of living according to this, according to this study. So that means you have a 0.125% chance of dying. Now, that's still a lot because I would rather have it be zero, right? Now, if you have, if, if this virus is 70% more lethal, that means you, you have to tack on 0.0875% to 0.125%. So now, when this new version of COVID, right, which is quote-unquote 70% more lethal, that means you now have a 0.215, no, I mean, sorry, I'm sorry, a 0.2125% chance of dying versus a 0.125% chance of dying. So what does that mean, by the way, with this new strain? If you're 50 years and old, I mean younger, you have a 99.7875% chance of surviving versus the old strain where you only had a 99.875% chance of dying. I mean, I mean of, of living, of surviving, I'm sorry. So let, let me repeat that again, just in case I mixed up the words, okay? Because I think I did. So with the new strain, you have a 99.7875% chance of surviving, with the old strain, you have a 99.875% chance of surviving. Okay? You still have 99% chance, almost 100% chance. And when numbers are this small, <laughs> and when, the, when numbers are this small, <laughs> it's usually a, statistic, a, a st- statistical anomaly. That means there's no difference. Absolutely no difference when things are at a hundredth of a percent. It's almost like when you, you measure global warming and you say, well, well, you know, the earth went up 0.075% this year. <laughs> That's your margin of error, right? Nothing, nothing is exact. Even these statistics are not exact to the hundredth point. And in fact, if you really want to take a look now, of all of the new variants that are out there, how many people actually got reinfected from the new variant? Very few. And how many of those new people had died? Zero. Where are they getting their stats from? You know, it's just panic. It's really just panic out there. You know, here's the frustrating thing. I'm a wedding planner. I'm not a scientist, right? I shouldn't be the one telling you this full truth. But the scientists, these epidemiologists, are working with reporters out there and just sensationalizing this. This isn't right. This is not right. It's sad. It shouldn't be this way. A wedding planner, you know, should not be able to, you know, you know, um, I, I guess shouldn't be able to operate like this or, or, or to just put things in perspective for you. You know, that's not my job. My job is to plan weddings, Right. I should not have to do this. But again, the scientists, the epidemiologists, you know, the, they are working with the journalists just to like cause panic. Why are they doing that? Why, why do they want us to live in a state of fear? You know, I think that's a good question. Why, do they, you know, why is they're throttling absurdity? You know, they're overthrottling. If your brain was a tachometer, what they want you to do is to keep your brain in the red zone. 
They want you to always be just overreacted, overthrottle your brain, you know, oversensitize yourself, overreact. Don't live in the moment, live in the future and just be worried about the future. Be worried, worried, worried. Be angry with the past. And as far as your present, let the government handle that. You know, don't be dependent on yourself. Because if you're dependent on yourself, well, you're just contributing to white privilege. You're just contributing to white culture, apparently. Because that's what they're saying in the Smithsonian. If you think about the individual, if you're personally responsible for yourself, if you want to reap what you sow, you know, you're being part of the whiteness problem. The whiteness culture is teaching you that, blinding you. What is the opposite of that? Of being, you know, studying hard and reaping what you sow. Being dependent on others. Getting, you know, participation awards. Getting an award for just saying, oh, I'm stupid. Please pass me through the third grade. I have no idea how to write or, or add. I can't run that fast. Please, please pass me a PE. By the way, that's kind of my big things right here. Going off a little tangent here. When I was back in high school, <laughs> you know, I was never, you know, the smartest kid, but I was, I was never the most athletic. There was like kids who were way more athletic to, than me. But, you know, I really didn't like it that PE was a pass-fail course and, and uh, art was a pass-fail course. And these were things that I actually exceeded, exceeded in. You know, and still to this very day, I'm very, I'm pretty much athletic. And then on top of that, I excel, I make money by being an artist, right? But these are all pass-fail courses. That means you either got an A or an F. <laughs> well, I always ask the teachers, well, you know, so-and-so, like all these nerdy kids, they're getting the same grades as me, but they can't run a mile under 10 minutes. They can't do a single pull-up. They have a hard time curling five pounds. And they're getting an A. And then they told me, Steve, well, not everyone can be athletic. Okay, fine. Then you get a C or a D or an F. You know? And, and if you actually did that, they said, oh, if we do that, then they'll just be average. Well, they are average. They're not spectacular. They're good at studying. And they're piss poor at running the mile. And we all average out in the end. That's how we all are. I'm not good at doing their things. I'm not good at doing calculus or memorizing things for tests. You have a horrible memory, right? But no, you know, school is basically perfect for them, perfect for the intellects, horrible for the artist or the, or the athlete. Just horrible, right? Oh, what can I say? What can I say about that? And this is the beginning of liberalism. You know, back there when I was in the... 95 grad. Again, you get participation awards. You, you participate in PE? Oh, you're going to get an A. You don't need to do a pull-up. Oh, the, the art class? Oh, you don't have to make a, a really good photo or shade correctly. Oh, yeah. By the way, your shade right there you're doing, that's not a 12 o'clock shadow, by the way. That's more like a 6 o'clock shadow, right? You're, you're shading. Oh, it doesn't matter, but by the way. Steve is just being ultimately too critical of it. And, but your intellect person out there who gets straight A's all the time and, and can't figure out what time the shadow shadow is at 12 o'clock, <laughs> they're going to get an A just like you because they can't, they can't figure that part out. Well, what can I say? What can I say? It all started back then, people, and now we are in 2020 and things are exponentially worse. You know, 
<laughs> participation awards are really bad. You get it everywhere. <laughs> All right. I am going off on a tangent. My brain is just mush right now. It is 3 o'clock a.m. in the morning. And I've been talking way too long. I need to get to bed or maybe watch some more Netflix. By the way, I got a good um, movie review, no, good uh, series review for you real quick. Uh, the Crew. The Crew on Netflix. It's a really good show. It's a really good sitcom. Um, it stars uh, Kevin James, and it's about, it's about a NASCAR pit crew. Everyone's funny in there. Uh, you know, I, I stopped watching sitcoms uh, right around when Friends and, and uh, Seinfeld ended. And I said, ah, I'm not, I'm not too in- interested. I tried to get back into some of them, but I couldn't. Um, this one is written really, really well. I really enjoyed it. Usually I don't enjoy Netflix stuff because it, it looks like pieces of crap. And a lot of them are crap. Uh, but this one is really good. It feels like a regular sitcom. So uh, it's, it's called The Crew. stars Kevin James. It's really good. Um, there's 10 episodes. Real easy to binge. And I swear, you'll watch one, and uh, you'll laugh, you'll chuckle, and you'll get connected to the characters as it goes on. I think I'm going to watch it again, because I really enjoyed it that much. All right, guys, that's it, that's it for my podcast right now, and uh, I will catch you later on. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Hey, I hope you like my podcast. If you do... Don't forget, you can subscribe to me on any of the podcast platforms out there. Just look for Barbecue 2 Movies.